Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, I'm Dave Hendon. This is the Snooker Scene Podcast. This week we're looking forward to the new Northern Ireland Open by uh, reminiscing a little bit about Northern Ireland's two great players of the 70s, 80s and 90s, Alex Higgins and Dennis Taylor. Two very different characters, but two world champions and indeed in snooker's golden age in the UK in the 80s, two of the biggest names, not only in snooker, but in sport. Both born in 1949 and uh, Clive Everton uh, has documented their careers all the way through. He joins me to discuss them. I guess the first thing to say, Clive, is they grew up at a time where snooker was not a TV sport at all. It was very much on the margins. Yes, uh, it was. A, it was a time when uh, the game took place in um, billiard halls mostly, um, very little competition, uh, even in the amateur game, uh, let, let alone the prof- the, prof- the professional. Um, but um, uh, Taylor and Higgins uh, started. As I say, in the billiard halls, they've known each other. They, they knew each other all their lives. Um, they clashed periodically, even from the start. There was one incident where um, one of uh, Dennis's sisters had to hide because Alex was intent on asking her out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, so, so there was there was there was that that rivalry right right from the start. And then, of course, they both came over. Um, uh, to England, and I remember Dennis um, fixed Alex up with a with a television, and you know tried to look after him a bit. Um, but um, they they went they went their their separate ways, and um, rather amazingly, uh, they both won the world title. Mm. Alex Higgins uh, sort of word spread, didn't it, of his sort of unique playing style, and there were sort of reports came out that this this was someone someone a bit different. Well. Alex, Dennis and Jim Medicroft used to congregate in the old post office club uh, and uh, uh, Higgins was, was, was always ready to play anybody for money as well and, and the, the word got out that, that this was how snooker was at the time. Everything was word of mouth, it was mm. a folk sport. It, it, it had, it, if, if you think the, the coverage of the game in the press is poor now, you, you should have seen it then. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't find it with a magnifying glass. Mm. Uh, so um, 
their their careers uh, started in in their in their different ways. Alex was more successful to start with, certainly winning the world championship at the first attempt in 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 seventy two. Dennis took took longer to to actually get to that level. Mm. Well, let's talk about the seventy two win because again, this is not the crucible. This is not the the TV age or the money and everything. You you were there. It was here in Birmingham, wasn't it? It was at, at Selly Park British Legion, which has now been raised to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> not by Alex, we should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was that like? Because that was uh, you know pretty rudimentary. Well, it, it was. It was just an ordinary club concert room. Um, the, the match was played uh, under the old uh, uh, trough shade, so the light stopped at the, at the edge of the table, and e even in the first or second row, I couldn't see what, what I was writing in terms, in terms of notes. The, 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 the tiered seating was very rudimentary, the, 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 it was on beer crates, um, and um, it, it, all, all that we all that we had to sustain us really was was the the, the 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 drama of the match because at the time John Spencer uh, was was the king and everybody expected him to win and um, uh, Alex was the young pretender and uh, it was a week's match in those days uh, best of seventy three frames and they were pretty level till Alex had a, an inspired session on the on the Thursday evening which he won six nil and. Uh, he nursed that lead to the end. Mm. I mean, obviously, Alex Higgins is known for being a volatile character, to say the least, but was he always like that? Was he like that even then, or did that come with the success? He was always like that. <laughs> he was always like that. Uh, so, diff what, difficult to deal with? Or? Very, very, very difficult to deal with. Um, uh, never, never really gave anybody else any, any consideration at all. Mm. Um, but uh, the, the snooker that he was producing um, earned him a lot of friends, sometimes not lasting friends, mm -hmm. but uh, um, uh, the world forgives a, a, a lot if somebody shows a, a kind of genius. Mm. I mean, it, it, it's quite easy to sort of romanticise about that like, 72 uh, World Championship, but what was it like being in the room you know, and, and watching this? Because as I say, the snooker he was playing was a different style to what people were used to, the, the Reardons and the Spencers and so on? Yes, it, it, very, very, very attacking. Um, the curious thing about, uh, about that match, well, the, well, well there, were, there were lots of curious things, <laughs> is that although, although Alex won, he, he never made a century in the entire week, but they were playing with, with the old bulls, you know, which were mm. a, a lot heavier, and they were heavier still... Um, one of, one of those, I think it was the Tuesday evening, because uh, it was the middle of winter, and um, the, the, there was a there was a power cut, and uh, they couldn't play under the under the normal lights, and everything looked looked sticky with condensation on it, and um, the, the 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 table was illuminated by some mobile generators from, from uh, and I thought, well, they'll they'll never be able to play in this. And of course, what happened? The the first three frames were over in just over half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he's he's gone on to win. And as you say, it wasn't on TV, and and it wasn't as, as sort of as well known and as as visible as it is now. But what impact did it have in terms of making snooker, sort of setting snooker on the road to becoming a visible sport? 
Well, without without a doubt, um, it, it 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 attracted attention to snooker, which wasn't there before. Because Higgins, he was different. He he he, he was he, he was something that had never been never been seen before. I think all all the, previously all the professionals at least had pretensions to respectability, and he didn't. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and and this 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 tended to divide audiences. Mm. And it it was all it was all to the good because, whenever Higgins played a match, he raised the emotional temperature of the room. Mm. So while while the seventies progressing, Dennis Taylor's a professional as well, and he's sort of working his way up. And he, he got to the world final in nineteen seventy nine against Terry Griffiths, who was a first season professional. I mean, would Dennis have been favourite to win that? I, I I I'm too young to remember, Clive, but you, but you were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I thought it was. I thought it was an even match between between Dennis and Terry, and but but uh, in, in the end Terry won quite handily. They were, I think there was only a frame in it going into the last days um, last days play, but then Terry Terry drew away. Mm. And then sort of after that, he got the glasses, of course, which was the, I guess the big turning point in his career, really. And uh, no one quite seen anything like it, I guess. Uh, someone turning up with these sort of extraordinary, well, upside down glasses, as they were known. But um, it proved to be a smart move. Well, it, well, it, it defined him as a personality. Mm. That people even now they say, "Oh, Dennis, oh, he's the man with the upside down glasses." <laughs> I mean, the fact is that that that, that almost every um, uh, snooker player in these specs now wears similar. Uh, similar glasses to that, but uh, you know, Dennis. Dennis was the first, and uh, I, I think it, it, it did his career no end of good. Mm. I think he's, a, he's an interesting personality, isn't he? Because his persona is the genial Irishman, you know, laughing and joking, which he did plenty of. But as a player, as a snooker player, he was absolutely hard as nails. Very, very hard. Very determined. Uh, uh, qu- quite a conservative. Match player in a way, you know, a, 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 a good, a great percentage game, and at his peak, I mean, people now forget how, how good he was. He was, he was certainly number two to Steve Davis for a while, and and in the space of one season, he was beating Steve more often than Steve was beating him. Mm-hmm. So we're talking now, we're into the early 80s and of course Alex Higgins wins, wins the World Championship again in 1982 and by this time it is at the Crucible, it is a big BBC TV sport and it's sort of become part of the, the culture really in, in the UK and of course he had his many problems off table but it seemed in that championship he, he sort of got his act together sufficiently over the two weeks to just concentrate on the tournament. Well, I think everybody in 1982 was expecting a Steve Davis, Terry Griffiths final um, Alex hadn't had a, a particularly good season, but then come the Crucible, Steve uh, and Terry both lost in the first round. And Alex then sniffs, sniffs a chance, and he responded to it. And of course, the, the, the highlight will forever be the penultimate frame of his semi-final against Jimmy White when he cleared up with 69 to to win on the black and save the match. Mm. Yeah, I mean, some incredible shot-making in that break because he was sort of never quite in position, was he? But they just kept going in, and, and it would be impressive in any circumstance, but every ball could have been his last shot of the, of the tournament. Well, that was typical death or glory Higgins. That was, that was his approach. Mm. 
So he wins it again, and and, and I suppose you know, it, in a way, it's a little unexpected because you say Steve Davis is already established by then as, as the number one player, and a lot of other players as well with a claim to it. But that was uh, it's still a moment, not just the break, but of course the end when he's beckoning his his, his baby onto the stage. I mean, th- those are moments that are going to last forever, aren't they? Oh yes, yeah, part of the, part of the history of the game. What do you think that did for him winning it again? I mean, obviously it it, it, it sort of it put him in the, the, the category of all-time great being a, being a multi-world champion, but do you think there was an expectation from him that, OK, I should carry on winning it? I've sort of overtaken Steve Davis, or was he more realistic than that? Well, I don't think Alex was ever realistic. <laughs> uh, uh, he, he said when he won it, oh, this will set um, uh, Lynn, his then-wife, uh, and, and uh, his baby up for life. And uh, In fact, only a few months later, they were divorced. Uh, I, I, I think I think Alex lived his his whole life on the, on the the basis that you know today was today and tomorrow was a, was another day and there was no connection between them. He, he, mm. he just he, he, he just lived like that. He was not he was not a planner in any sense. No, but this was a man who put snooker on the front pages, didn't mind the back pages. What was it like covering those years, those years in the eighties when it was it was a soap opera? Very exciting. Mm. The, the, there's never been there's never been anything like it because it was all nude. You see, mm. uh, and uh, the, the, the papers just couldn't couldn't get enough of it. Mm. You mentioned Dennis Taylor's record against Steve Davis. Higgins's wasn't great, but of course he did have the notable win in the UK Championship final in 1983, which is another kind of moment that sort of defined his career because it it underlined the fact that yes, he was an entertainer, but he was also a real hard fighter in matches. Yeah, w- w- when he when he set his mind to it, Alex could be very gritty. He he, he could win he could win matches the hard way and not and not the flamboyant way. He was seven nil down uh, uh, to Steve in, in 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 that final, and everybody just wrote him off. But he he came back and won won it on the deciding frame, sixteen fifteen. Mm. What's interesting to me about him because I didn't really know him at all, but I've spoken to many people who who did and. They always have the same stories. There's always a story about how he was exceptionally rude to them at one point, but they still, <laughs> but they still like him. And in kind of normal life, that wouldn't happen. If you regularly sort of knew someone who just wasn't nice to you and was obnoxious, you would probably keep your distance. But like you said earlier, maybe just because of what he could do and just the charisma, maybe that he was just sort of forgiven. Yes, I, I, I think the snooker world in general is, is is pretty pretty forgiving. They say, oh well, that's that's just Alex. I mean, there there were a few things that that weren't forgiven so easily. There was this incident after the the World Cup in in, in Bournemouth where um, uh, Alex said some pretty unforgivable things about Dennis, Dennis's mother in the in the in the. Um, Player's room and threatened to have him shot if he went to Northern Ireland and all this. So, so uh, uh, Alex and Dennis were were particularly were, were pretty thoroughly estranged uh, by the end. But that's the point, isn't it? Because, like you said, Alex didn't crave any respectability at all. Couldn't have cared less. Whereas Dennis was always the pro. He was well turned out. You could send him on a chat show. You could send him to meet sponsors. You know, he's like a bit like Sean Murphy or someone now. You're always like well turned out and, and doing the right thing. So he would have regarded Higgins' behaviour, I, I guess, not, not, not very kindly. No, no, he didn't. Uh, and it also, of course, got, got, got personal. Hmm. And um, uh, I, I, think, I think Dennis got extremely wary uh, of Alex in, hmm. in his later years. 
So let's we're still so Higgins wins eighty three Euchre Championship. Then the year after Dennis Taylor's mother passed away, he pulled out of the first tournament of the season and was going to pull out the Grand Prix. Played in it, won it. This is nineteen eighty four, and that set him on the path to eventually at the end of the season becoming world champion. I guess it was getting that that major on the board first that gave him the confidence to eventually win the world championship. Well, it, it was a big a big stepping stone to to actually win a ranking tournament and. Um, it, it, it was the the Rothmans Grand Prix uh, at Reading. Um, he beat Cliff Thorburn in, in the final. Thorburn um, took a lot out of himself beating beating Steve. I think it was nine seven or nine eight the, the, the previous night. And um, Dennis just just ran through Cliff in the final ten ten two and uh, uh, played very very well. And uh, I think that. I think that made him regard himself as a as a. Uh, it made him see himself as a at least a possible world champion. Mm. I'm not sure how much there is left to say about about the 1985 world championship that hasn't been said, other than the fact I guess it did two things. One, it cemented snooker very much. It was already a big deal, but very much in the sort of national consciousness. But also Dennis Taylor, because that's the sort of thing that just isn't forgotten. No, uh, and it, particularly not by Dennis. And fair enough. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it was it, it, the, there are there are wins and there are wins, and the ones I'm thinking about are the ones that are life changing, and that was life changing. It was game changing. Mm. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I, I don't blame Dennis for for dining out on that. No, absolutely. But of course, already by then he was. He'd become a TV commentator. He, he he was sort of cultivating that side of it as well, the media side, because in the nineteen eighties, you know, snooker players, they as I say, they were front page news, and sometimes for the wrong reasons. But you could actually carve out that that career that around the size. Obviously, Barry Hearn did it with his stable. I think Dennis was was quite one of the maybe one of the first to realise that actually, you know, there was money to be made not just playing snooker. Well, I, I think I think it, it, it's quite sensible, really, to be, always be looking to the future. Um, Ronnie O'Sullivan does it now. Yeah, uh, he, he's building up his his uh, career quite quite nicely with his stuff for for, for Eurosport, and uh, indeed um, a, a four part series for the History Channel when he, he goes uh, on a road trip across America playing pool. Yeah, Ronnie O'Sullivan's American Hustle, it's called. But uh, we'll stay on subject for now with uh, Dennis and Alex because they played each other in the Masters final in 1987. So this was, I guess, one of their mo most high-profile meetings. And Alex led 8-5. And the story Dennis Taylor tells is that... So he's 8-5 down, first and nine wins. He goes backstage and Alex's family and friends are, are already celebrating. They've got champagne out, you know. <laughs> 20 minutes' time, he'll be in. We'll, we'll celebrate with him. And that really riled Dennis up. And, of course, he went out and he won... He won nine eight, um, and I guess that I mean because obviously his career is completely defined by the eighty five final. But it's worth pointing out in that little period that followed the next few years, he was like you say probably the second best player in the world. He was winning other tournaments, particularly that Masters. Yeah, uh, I remember that Masters final. It was um, it was eight five to Alex first to nine as, uh, as you say, and and he had a shot not too difficult for the match, mm. uh, but but he he, he didn't get it and. Uh, and, and Dennis came through, and that was all. That was all the more surprising, in a way, because um, or notable rather, that uh, because Dennis up to then had hardly won a match at the Masters. Yeah. He went year after year, and year after year he lost in the first round. It just wasn't his tournament. Mm. And it was also strange that that, that Dennis 
never did much in the UK Championship, mm. perhaps because it was played a little bit too near home. Mm. Uh, he played in Preston and he lived in Blackburn at, uh, at, the, at the time. Uh, I think perhaps you, you, you sometimes need a little bit of distance between home and venue to, to really focus. Of course, their Masters final, it was only a couple of months after the infamous headbutt, Alex Higgins um, and the tournament director of the UK Championship, uh, which obviously was uh, landed him in hot water to say the least. But despite all all the controversy, and there was plenty of it, he did still seem able to not let that affect him too much. He could still perform at the highest level, despite all this stuff going on in his life. I don't think he ever gave it a thought, <laughs> because he just he just lived for the moment. Mm, yeah. And then a couple of years later, he won the Irish Masters. He beat Stephen Hendry, and this was after he'd uh, well, he'd fallen out of a window. He'd, he'd sort of injured his ankle, and there was footage of him sort of hopping around the table. But again, that, that didn't seem to make any difference to him. Well, it, 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 it made a bit of difference at the start. Mm. He he he, um, he reputedly uh, fell. He, he had a row with his girlfriend, and um, she she locked him out of her, her flat. And he, he decided that he, he, he'd edged around the, the outside of the building on some ledge or other, and of course he fell. Now, he, he went and played in the European Open, uh, and uh, he was literally, hop, literally hopping on one leg. He, he, that, was, that was all he could do. And he, 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 was still, he was still limping very badly by the time the Irish Masters uh, uh, came, came round, but... He, he remarkably he he won he won the tournament beat beat Hendry in the final which was the the, the last big thing he ever won. Mm. He must have been I mean for for opponents he must have been quite frightening at times to play because there's all this soap opera going on around there's always the the possibility of aggro and I think Steve Davis has said that he was basically scared of him in the eighties. Well, a, a very a very intimidating presence in, in, in many ways. I think. I think Alex's opponents always felt that the action was revolving round him. Mm. Which invariably it was, of course. <laughs> uh, well, you've already mentioned it. This all builds up to, in terms of the Taylor-Higgins relationship to the 1990 World Cup, but of course the important thing to, to mention here is they were playing for the same team. They were, oh, playing, yeah. they were playing for the Northern Ireland team in the World Cup. Dennis was the captain, and Alex was kind of, I guess, trying to, trying to take over being captain and tell him what, what order to put the players out in and so on. And there was this frightful row backstage, and as you say, a lot of unpleasant things were said by Alex to Dennis, ending up with the, the famous words, if you ever come back to Northern Ireland, have you shot? And that's bad enough, but it was overheard by John Spencer, who at the time was chairman of the WPBSA, so it was an open and shut case in terms of the disciplinary. Mm. And then the World Championship a few weeks later, he makes this rambling retirement speech, doesn't he, on, on the eve of getting banned? Yes, he, he, he just lost to... To, to, to Steve James and uh, he, he was pre pretty pretty drunk. He, he remained in his seat. I remember uh, long after the match was uh, after the match was over, and, uh, and indeed until the, the the table lights were turned off, he'd also uh, torn the head off his off his uh, off his leprechaun mascot, uh, and then he came into the. Um, he came into the press conference uh, and delivered himself this extraordinary speech. Though not uh, on his way in, he, he, he actually punched uh, Colin Randall. At that time, was the the, the WPBSA press officer, and you know, that of course stacked up in in, in, the, in his in his disciplinary reckoning. Uh, but uh, he, he gave the, he gave this he gave this rambling speech and. Um, 
He was suspended. He's been he's been suspended so many times. I I I've forgotten how much how long he's. I think that was a year, wasn't it? That time. I think time, that was that? a year that time. And and the the the, the negative. Well, obviously being suspended for years is bad enough. But what made it worse was that he'd got back in the top sixteen because he'd been in the British Open final. He lost to Chapron. And he'd done well enough. So if all that hadn't happened, he would actually have been back in the top 16 and, and who knows what would have happened then. But of course, before all this happened, so between the World Cup and that at the Crucible, they actually played each other, De- Dennis and Alex, didn't they, at the Irish Masters. I mean, that must have been some atmosphere. Well, <laughs> it, it, it was like a bare-knuckle prize fight. <laughs> uh, uh, and what was, what was particularly striking about it was that um, um, Dennis was surrounded by friends, family, uh, and, and Alex was, you know, Physically and indeed spiritually uh, alone, mm. uh, and Dennis won the match. Uh, the, the, it was a terrible match for standards, <laughs> but uh, and Alex again was 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 not sober. Mm. Um, but um, anyway, Dennis beat him, and then of course all the the, the, the disciplinary hell broke loose. Mm. And what and what happened because he was banned for a year? He ended up back in the qualifiers. Um, uh, I guess at the Norbreck and, and never kind of pulled himself out of that, did he? he, he that was the start of really the decline for Alex. Well, you, you you can you can only sort of do so you can only do stupid things so much, can't you? You know, eventually there comes a day of reckoning. Mm. And unlike Dennis, he was never likely to have a sort of glittering media career at, at the end of it because people he just couldn't be trusted to to turn up and, and not cause trouble. I guess he he was incapable of. Fitting into a team, mm. uh, and and uh, you know, without being too pompous about it, the, 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 there is an element of that in in, in the commentary world. Mm. So, as we as we look back on both of their careers, I mean, very different people. It's worth saying, very different people, but both tough match players. I mean, Alex Higgins. One thing he cared about was winning. He cared about playing snooker and winning at it. I guess he was a bit of a showboater, which you couldn't accuse Dennis Taylor of being. But in terms of the contrasts in their style and their careers, I mean, how do you sort of where do they stand on the sort of all time all time list? Do you think? Well, Alex stands stands higher in snooker's history simply because of his personality and the whole the whole deal, the whole the whole business. Dennis, in his time, was simply a very good player. Who, who who won the world championship? Who won the Masters? Uh, who did the right things? Um, so he'll he'll have his place, but somehow or other, there's only one Higgins, and so there's there's a special place for him. Mm. And I guess they represented different things. Dennis Taylor represented professionalism, respectability, um, and Alex Higgins was. A rebel, and a lot of people like rebels. A lot of people. I mean, he was the people's champion. That's what what he was known on, known as. And a lot of people get excited by someone who doesn't play by the rules. Yes, throughout Alex's career, he had a, 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 a legion of supporters who would support him, right or wrong. If they if they knew he was wrong, all the better. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess I mean it was sort of perfect casting, wasn't it? It is like a soap opera, and you do need the kind of villain. You need the the bad boy, as it were, and he played that role better than anybody. Yeah, I think it's good for the it's good for the scene to have people with different personalities, Mm. and you couldn't get much more different 
than, than Alex was from everybody else. Yeah, he was an incredibly exciting player, and just you look at the footage of him, even just like walking into the crucible, you know, with with his hat on and all that sort of thing, and ripping the bow tie off and all that sort of thing. It, 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 they're images that that I think you don't forget, and he certainly he certainly is a very important figure in terms of the development of snooker. I'm not, I don't think anyone would claim that he did it to develop snooker, but the, the facts speak for themselves. I mean, the excitement and the crowds that he brought at the time that it happened was really important for where we are now as a, as a sport. Well, going back, right, right back almost to the start, the 1972 World, World Championship final, if he hadn't won it, he would not have attracted people from outside the game to, mm. to, to, to say to themselves, well, what can we do with snooker? Mm. And we needed that help because prior to that, it was just a folk sport run simply by the people in it. Mm. And what they both did, both Dennis Taylor and Alex Higgins did, is inspired people from Northern Ireland to, to play snooker. I mean, we've got to remember the 80s was a very difficult time in Northern Ireland with, with the troubles and, and all the problems there, but sport has always been an outlet to sort of escape from that. And we've seen various of the players come through. Joe Swale, of course, was a top 16 player, still playing now. And more latterly, Mark Allen. And Mark Allen is a top eight player. A lot of people feel he's certainly good enough to be world champion. He's one of the other big tournaments. And uh, I think he's an interesting character because he's um, he actually, in some ways, has the qualities of both of them. He is quite feisty. He's not on the Alex Higgins level, because nobody is. But he can be quite feisty, quite outspoken. But also a terrific talent. I mean, really naturally talented, but also you know can stand up to pressure as well. Yes, I, I, I think I, I'm slightly surprised that Mark Allen, who's done quite well, hasn't done even better because mm. he, he had the background. He, he, he won all all the things you're supposed to win when when you're an amateur, the world amateur, the European amateur. He, 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 he had the he had the credentials. He, he had the background. He had the game. Uh, and as I say, although he's done, he, he's done quite well. Uh, I, I, he hasn't done as well as I expected him to. Maybe you know he likes to live like a human being uh, <laughs> uh, 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 more than the, the other players do. He, he, he'll take a, he'll take a summer off, for mm. instance, and and sort of tr forget about snooker. Um, but uh, who, who knows? He, he could still win something big. Yeah, well, he's only 30, and, and Dennis, I think he won the world title when he was 36, so uh, we shall see. But it's been uh, it's been nice reminiscing. Of course, Dennis Taylor now, um, he's not only a BBC commentator, he crops up on the odd um, sort of TV show. Uh, as we record this, I believe he's in India recording some sort of reality show based around the film The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. I don't know what the what the programme's about, I just have heard that he's doing it. But that just shows you he can still be relied upon. Because he is still recognisable, people still know who he is. You, you can you can put him on a show and people will, will know who he is. Well, that's right, it's those glasses again. <laughs> but of course the other side is Alex, very sadly passed away a few years ago, and his decline, it was pretty shocking wasn't it, the way he, he sort of withered away, and, and I know Jimmy White was very upset that he said that Alex would just not accept help. Yeah, well he, he, he just... It was just part of doing what he wanted to do, even if it was against his own best interests. Mm. Well, he, he certainly left his mark on the sport. They both did, of course. Dennis, in particular, winning the world title the way he did, and Alex Higgins. It must be remembered for all the, the sort of aggro that was involved in was a twice world champion, which is some feat, and won many other tournaments as well. Thank you, Clive, for your memories, and we will have more next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and 
better luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.